everyone. Welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies through the latest news in both books and sports. And today is a very special episode on Super Bowl Sunday, recording-wise. So it obviously is a sports episode. And this is coming out after the Super Bowl. Yes. So it's a little weird. I will be live tweeting the game from my personal Twitter. And if there's anything funny there, we'll try to share it. Yeah. I'm not that funny. So we'll see. I, don't, I would disagree. The couple times I have live tweeted games that you have watched and stated silly things, it has been entertaining. I just don't know that we have enough following on Twitter for it to really be like, ah, funny wife. Hopefully this time we'll have a few more people paying attention to us. But in honor of the Super Bowl, I guess, we're going to start with the NFL, discussing the latest news as of Sunday morning when we're recording. Obviously, we're not going to say who won, because who knows? We have no idea. It plays at 5.30, and it is roughly 11 11 a.m., so... (laughs) I personally think that Kansas City is going to win. You're saying don't bet against Tom Brady. I say one person does not a full team make, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm also saying that it's not one player that will make the whole team because the opposing team is also better in my mind when it comes to quality than Kansas City is. So, But I believe this morning at breakfast you said don't bet against Tom Brady because every time he goes, he wins yeah. or something like that. Every time I root against Tom Brady, he wins the Super Bowl. So You'll just... root for him this time and then Kansas City will win and my family and I will be happy. Yeah, but there is a funny thing that goes around every year around the Super Bowl. It's trying to figure out what color Gatorade is going to be dumped on the winning, uh, the winning coach of the Super Bowl. And That's dumb. As people who drink Gatorade... You and I a lot. You know, you more mixed with water, like super watered down, and me just straight sugar. What color of Gatorade do you think will be the color of Gatorade to be dumped on the winning head coach this year? Orange. Orange? Because it's disgusting. You know, it's pretty commonly different color than orange or red. Those are like the two that sometimes make appearances. I am going to pick red and only because... Each team has red in their team colors, and I just, for some reason, feel like it's a team color year. It's going to be red instead of orange. This is a very dumb conversation, first of all, but secondly, we both picked the ones that are used the least. Yes, as it turns out. Yeah, we we may or may not win. Uh, Last year, though, the Chiefs did get Andy Reid with orange Gatorade, so maybe the Chiefs repeat that color? Like, hey, we won it last year. We might as well continue this trend of orange Gatorade. We'll see. Especially if they win again, you know? Keeping up with teams that are in the Super Bowl right now, the Buccaneers' Antonio Brown is officially designated as questionable with a knee injury. He was listed as limited in practice on Wednesday, February 3rd, with full participation on Thursday and Friday. And the Kansas City Chiefs' Sammy Watkins is also questionable. He hadn't played since week 16 due to a calf injury, but he's saying he's optimistic he'll be able to suit up for the Super Bowl. There's also two players that are going to be announcedly playing in the Super Bowl with injuries, including the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be playing with a turf toe injury that he played with last week, and it didn't seem to really affect him that much, so I'm not... Not last week, the week before. Correct. Two weeks ago. How do I know this? Well, normally you have the actual Pro Bowl in between, and it didn't happen this year, so... 
just left a blank spot in my brain. Yeah. But it didn't seem to hinder him at all in the AFC Championship game, so I'm really not too concerned on that one. However, Tampa Bay Bucks safety Jordan Whitehead will be playing through a torn labrum in the Super Bowl. His team announced that early this morning that uh, he's going to play through it. I think that's a mistake, but maybe yeah. that'll work to my advantage. We'll see. But both the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers had players who were cleared of COVID issues based on the latest round of testing. So two Chiefs players, the receiver Demarcus Robinson and center Daniel Kilgore, remain on the reserve COVID list as high-risk close contacts after getting a haircut by a barber who tested positive. So you still have players on the COVID list despite some of them getting cleared. But neither of those players have tested positive themselves. So the irony behind this, and I don't know if you saw the photos that came out, but Kilgore was mid-haircut. He was having the barber shave his head. So he has when he took his picture, it was half of his hair shaved off the other half still attached to his head. So they mid-haircut removed the barber from the facilities because his test came back positive in the middle of Kilgore's haircut. It was pretty entertaining to say the least to see some of the photos that came out of his haircut. Well, I mean, obviously they had someone come in and finish it, right? Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Probably somewhere other than the place the barber with COVID was, I would imagine, a different part of the facilities. But staying on the topic of COVID-19, the NFL announced its regular season COVID statistics. The league had a 0.08% positive test rate for all staffers and players amongst the NFL this season. Which sounds so weird given how many people got sick. Like, remembering us talking about it over the season, I'm like... That doesn't feel right. These statistics include all front office staff, all player-related staff, all players, including their secondary teams, like their practice squad. So it's a lot of people. Um, But there were a total of 262 cases amongst players. Again, the players include the normal roster and the practice squad. So there were players that probably weren't even contact with certain ones as well. And 463 amongst personnel, including their front office staff for the organizations. So there were still quite a few cases, Yeah, but definitely less than it seemed like. I agree. It kind of felt like every week it was like 20 new people have COVID, you right. know? So considering all that, really not bad, I guess, in the big picture of things, but still a lot of cases. But switching back to the Super Bowl, the official attendance figures expected for the game today will include 25,000 fans and 30,000 cutouts. More cardboard than they've ever seen at a Super Bowl, I'm sure. This will be the smallest attendance in Super Bowl history. And of those 25,000 fans, 7,500 will be vaccinated healthcare workers. And they're saying that you are forced to wear a face mask during the entire game. Of course you are. But they're also giving them PPE as they're coming into the game. So they're giving you a mask and they're giving you sanitization wipes or whatever and other things to keep you safe during the game. So yes, they are forcing you to wear it, but they're also giving it to you for free. Well, so like, not really for free. The cost of a Super well, Bowl ticket, yeah. is insane, I'm sure. Yes. It's ridiculous. 
What's funny about all that is it's going to be one of the highest attended games during the season this year. The only team to keep an average higher than how many people are going to be there today was the Dallas Cowboys, of course. And you wonder why we have such a bad problem with COVID here. Texas. Uh, The Cowboys averaged 28,000 fans a game throughout the season this year. I want to know how many of those people got sick. I'm sure enough to make it worthwhile knowing, but the team never released any of those statistics. Of course they didn't. It would be bad for them. Bad press, yeah. However, it obviously being one game, and they are doing pods of four tickets, so people that were going to the game were forced to buy four tickets to the game, which probably kept like the onesie-twosie fans out of being stuck sitting next to people. I don't know. We'll see yeah. what ends up happening. And like we mentioned last week, the Buccaneers are set to become the first team in NFL history to play in a Super Bowl at their home stadium. And I told you last week, like, I feel like certain things need to be put in place to make it a more neutral ground or site, whatever you want to call it. But apparently they have a giant pirate ship in the stadium yes. that the NFL has determined cannot be used the way it normally is they during a home game. They can't fire the cannons at touchdowns. Right. They are, however, allowed to fire them off if they win the game. So, like, after everything is over, they can do as much as they want go crazy. In fairness, there are steps to keep things in check. I will tell you that this was decided about like five or six seasons ago when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were guaranteed to be one of the worst teams for the next five or six years like they had been up until the point they hired Tom Brady. Well, I'm not saying there's like some sort of convoluted thing in place to make them have some sort of advantage. I don't think it's like a conspiracy theory. I just think there should be a lot of things in place to make it a more neutral ground because like you said, they decided this was going to be the location for this Super Bowl many years before they started playing decently. Yeah. But this is all about the NFL wanting to maintain their integrity of neutral site atmosphere for the Super Bowl. They're still going to be firing the cannons when they introduce the team, which I don't like, but I guess they negotiated that with the NFL when they discussed everything, I guess. If they set them off for both teams, I don't think I have a problem with it. According to what I read, it's just for the Bucks that they're doing it. Hmm. So, seems dumb. I just want to know if they're going to, like, switch locker rooms. Like, I think you definitely get used to your own space. So I feel like that would be, like, a tiny advantage. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't think there's much of an advantage in this game. I'm normally an arguer for home field advantage, and if there was a full 66,000 fans there, I would agree. In that instance, it would be some type of... Well, advantage but okay but who's going to go to this super bowl do you think it's probably Given gonna be mostly location, Tom, Tom, uh, it's probably gonna be tampa bay fans realistically just because nobody wants there. to travel yeah, yeah it's hard to travel right now so it's mostly gonna be people from the area in normal super bowl years i would argue that you have a lot of people coming into the whatever site it is and you're gonna have a lot less of that now travel issues and covid restrictions yeah most of the restrictions i would imagine would be coming back from florida because they are also one of the hot spots in the united states but but how is that going to affect how many people decide to go yeah knowing what it's going to be like coming back probably true but that's all i have as far as the super bowl today news cool i have some nfl awards news because that happened last night freaking sport awards It's the end of the year. The regular season awards always happen the night before the Super Bowl. So here we are. (laughs) How many people got participation trophies? 
Uh, not participation trophies, but you call them what you want to. <laughs> Alex Smith uh, was named the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. This is the dude that should have lost his leg for the Washington football team with that nasty hit in 2018. Should have lost his leg or not been able to walk? Should have lost his leg based on the surgery originally. Um, Yikes. So he was able to keep his leg, walk, and post a 5-1 and record this season as a starting quarterback for the Washington football team. His record also led the team to their first playoff appearance since 2015. So after five years of not being existing in the playoffs, he led them to that position. But the main championship uh, awards, like the big awards, I should say, Titans' Derrick Henry wins the Offensive Player of the Year award. He became the eighth player in NFL history to rush for more than 2,000 yards in a single season. This is the second season in a row that he led all running backs in the three major categories for carries, yards, and touchdowns. He's a dominating force, to say the least. The Defensive Player of the Year award was given to Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams. It's his third time taking home the honors of this title and award. He tallied 45 tackles, 13 and a half sacks, and forced four fumbles this season, leading linebackers in that category. He won the award previously in 2017 and 2018 back-to-back. The Defensive Rookie of the Year was Chase Young of the Washington football team. The Offensive Rookie of the Year was Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost called them the San Diego Chargers. It's such a force of habit. He came in after Tyrod Taylor was gouged in the lung with the pain shot. I, if you remember talking about that, how that, that particular technician and doctor did not end up actually being terminated, which is still mind-boggling to me. Mistakes happen. Yeah. It's not like he intentionally punctured this guy's lung. Well, Justin Herbert's quite happy it happened. I know he's not happy it happened, but like his career is because he immediately got pushed into the limelight. He ended up becoming the number five passing quarterback in the NFL this season because of it. So, And this year's NFL regular season MVP was Aaron Rodgers. It's the third time in his career that he's won this award. He also won the award in 2011 and 2014. He finished the season with 48 touchdown passes and a completion rate of 70.7% which is pretty crazy. Most people were in like the 60s range, usually speaking. He also finished in the NFL first place with a passer rating of 121.5, all while only throwing five interceptions the entire season. That's all the NFL award stuff I have for you this week. There were all sorts of like assistant coach of the year, and I'm like, nobody cares about that. I didn't even care about the ones you did talk about, so. Yeah, but you don't like football, so. If it was the that's NHL, true. you'd be like, oh, that's okay. Who's the assistant coach of the year in the NHL? You'd be I like, I want to know this. I care about that, no. <laughs> and there's only one signing that I really saw this past week. I don't know if you have any. But Zach Orr was signed on to be the Jaguars' outside linebackers coach. I don't. I don't know what that is. Something to do with linebackers that are on the outside of that line. Yes. So you have inside linebackers, which are the two in the middle, and then you have they take like the brunt of the, the force on the inside. They, they do a lot of the run stopping. Yes. But but on the outside, they do all of the outside linebacker things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know sports. We did have the Hall of Fame announcements. There's only five players. I'm not going to go into their careers. I'm just going to name them really quick. Okay. Because that happened earlier this week. You had Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, John Lynch, and Alan Fanica. I only know one of those people, so I vote for him. Which one did you know? 
Manning. Oh, because of his commercials? Maybe. He's yeah. in commercials. Yeah. He does, I think, State Farm. Bow, 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 bow. He's like, he does the singing, does the country one. Oh, yeah, that one. I do know artists. that one. Yes, yeah. He has like the giant Your train village or whatever. of yeah. that is just so wrong, yeah. but all right. Yep, yeah. but honestly, I'm, I'm kind of shocked Calvin Johnson got in on his first bid, only because he had such a short career. He played from 2007 until 2015, shorter than every other person that was inducted this year, so... Did he do a lot of good things in that oh, time Oh, he was frame? phenomenal. In seven years, he uh, seven of his nine years in the NFL, he had over a thousand yards receiving, which is an unheard of percentage for a career. So that's that's why. That's probably why. Yeah, but I do love his nickname, Megatron. It was given to him by Roy Williams, who was one of the senior receiving core members of that time when he got drafted and he was like he's just the biggest the strongest and the fastest guy i've ever had to play with this is exact words so he must be megatron cute yeah i honestly thought you were going to talk more about that i don't know what to say yeah and then i have one last piece of nfl news roger goodell uh offered to the biden administration to utilize all nfl stadiums as mass vaccination sites yes so Good on the NFL to participate in that. Yeah. If we could just figure out how to vaccinate people, apparently. Yeah. Here in Texas, we're still giving them to anybody that lies on the questionnaire and old people still. What do I need to say on the questionnaire to get vaccinated? You just need to tell them that you have a high risk of death from COVID-19, which I guess technically I you mean, would I've already fall had into it that once. category. Yeah. yeah. If I got it again, who knows? Yeah. Probably won't lie on the questionnaire. Moving on to baseball, since I guess there may be starting soon, the MLB released a statement on Monday, February 1st, saying that they made a proposal to have a one-month delay to the start of spring training based on advice from medical experts. And this delay of the season would allow for the level of COVID infection rates to decrease and provide additional time for the distribution of vaccinations, you know, if the U.S. can get their stuff together. They also would hope that this would minimize disruptions to the season, like we're seeing with the NBA and the NHL, where things have to keep getting postponed and moved. And it would have the regular season start on April 29th and include a 154-game schedule, which sounds like less than 10 games difference from the regular season. Yeah, I normally play 162, so... Yeah. I don't know that this is going to go through, though. I don't know who has to, like, decide on this, but it sounds like, from what I read, there's not going to be enough support for that. So I can tell you, as of late last night, because it was announced by the MLB Players Association, they rejected it. Yeah, I thought so. Um, So they do not want a delay and they do not want a shortened season because last year they took such high pay cuts based off of the CBA. So they're not about it. But from what I read, they weren't going to do a dramatic reduction of pay because there's only an eight game difference. Yeah, I think the big thing was the delay of the season. They want to actually play out the season, have a proper full spring training and so on and so forth is really the, the big argument. Well, to me, it sounded like they would still be able to do spring training. They'd still be able to play a mostly full season and they'd still get to do playoffs based off what I read. So I don't understand what the big dramatic BS is. It sounds like it would be a shortened spring training, but they'd still have spring training. So I don't get it. 
Well, to announce as well, the MLB came out and announced that the average salary fell for the third straight year. The 2020 average salary came out to $3.89 million, which is a decrease of 4.2%. That $3.89 million is based off of if they had played a full season. So nobody actually made that much on average. The average player made like fractions of that based off of how shortened the season was. So uh, that would only have been had they played a whole normal 162 games. So it's like a fraction of a fraction at this point. So as a whole players, you know, you, you're either one of those premium players and you're making way too much money or you're not making that much money. And there's very little in between right now, it seems so. But in better news of the world of baseball, the EA Sports announced their MLB The Show cover player of the year and it's going to be fernando tatis jr mr slam diego himself okay they took one of his shots from when he did a bat flip and pointed to his dugout after he hit the home run and that's going to be the cover art for the video game this year so i'm pretty excited about that arrogance I, I it's may, what this game is about. I may literally buy this game just because I can't remember the last time a Padres player was on the cover of the game. Right. It's been forever. So as somebody who grew up in San Diego, I think it'll be really neat to see that be the case. Moving back into negative news, I suppose. We'll do this teeter-totter for <laughs> baseball. Pitching coach Mickey Calloway has been suspended by the Angels organization pending an investigation with the MLB. This comes one day after allegations of inappropriate and lewd behavior toward five women in the sports media industry had become public. These behaviors include, but obviously are not limited to, sending and requesting photographs and offering a reporter inside information about the team in exchange for a date. This suspension comes less than two weeks after the Mets fired newly hired GM Jared Porter for sending inappropriate text messages to a female reporter. I'm just glad that the organizations are getting rid of these people as quickly as they can. Well, I feel like the Angels had no choice because even if he wasn't a piece of garbage, he still was volunteering information about the team, like insider information about the team. Like, even if they weren't standing up for women, they would still get rid of him. But at the same time, what information does he really have about one of the worst teams in the major leagues to give up that other people didn't already know? I don't know, because she didn't go out with him. I mean, clearly, we didn't find out. <laughs> yeah, It's like, not next time on the episode of... <laughs> I just... I'm tired of women getting treated poorly in general, but especially in these, like, old boy clubs and just, like, I'm sick of reporting about all this crap men do to women. Yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous. But I am glad the organization said they're not having it. But like I said, how much of that is to cover their own butts? how much of it is actually just them doing the right thing right probably a little bit of both you gotta hope that they're doing it for the right reasons and it just also happens to cover their butts right dustin pedroia announced his retirement after 14 seasons with the red Sox. he last year was moved down into a minor league role it was pretty much everybody was like about time dude you're getting old time to retire but he was a part of the organization that brought multiple championships back to boston after a long drought so but there were some signings this week i have a lot of signings I have the big name ones, at least. I don't know what else you wrote up, but... Well, my first one is the White Sox have agreed to a minor league contract with catcher Jonathan LaCroix. He would join a group of catchers vying for the backup role behind Yasmani Grandal. Grandal. Yeah. 
it sounds like he has a minor league contract, but if he does well in spring training, he might be able to get the backup spot. But you have other bigger named catchers who are trying to get that position, so he probably won't. He will probably be playing in the minor leagues. That's one. Also, the Angels acquired outfielder Dexter Fowler from the Cardinals in exchange for a player to be named at a later date or cash considerations. So... I don't know what that's about. I don't know that I would have gone for this, but it also is bad for the Cardinals because they're sending with this player $12.75 million to the Angels, which means that the Angels for this player will only have to pay $1.75 million of his salary for 2021. Sounds like a good deal for the Angels. Yeah. What are the Cardinals getting out of this? Uh, rid of a player that hasn't been playing well. I guess. That's but, overpaid. But they're also still overpaying him because yes. there goes all their money. Yeah. I don't get it. Maybe they've already negotiated what the cash would be or maybe they're working on which player specifically, but they've got a pool of who they want. But yeah, it just sounds like a bad deal until you figure out the rest of that, I guess. Yeah, until all the pieces fall into place, it's really not a promising move. And the Detroit Tigers have re-signed free agent second baseman Jonathan Shoop. Shoop. That popped up in my head. Is that really the same song that came up in your head? Yes, but actually in tune and stuff. Yeah. So he's going to have a (laughs) one-year contract. You're welcome. But the financial terms were not disclosed at the time of the deal coming out. And the... Astros have reached a contract agreement with shortstop Carlos Correa on Saturday, February 6th. In order to avoid arbitration, he's going to end up earning $11.7 million in 2021. He wanted $12.5 million, but the club was only offering $9.75 million. So it sounds like they mostly came up and he just gave them a little bit at a time. Well, the reality is based on the way Correa has played in his last five seasons, which is how they usually determine arbitration, he would have gotten probably more money than $11.7 million. So they're like, is this good enough? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That'll do. Well, apparently it's not a very good process as a player to go through. So he's like, that's close enough. I'll just take it. So. And then the last signing I have, you probably have other ones, is that the Braves have signed Marcel Ozuna to a four-year, $64 million deal that includes an option for a fifth-year, $16 million, along with a $1 million buyout. And everything that I've read said that his willingness to return at this price point gives the Braves flexibility to address remaining roster needs. So it sounds like he kind of took a cut in order to stay with the team and get better players. So he didn't take a pay cut necessarily, but he undervalued himself in order to allow the team to spend a little more money on other offensive and defensive capabilities for the team, which I think is honorable. You know, it's not very often you hear about players who are like, hey, you know what? Don't pay me as much as I deserve in order to make this all work. Kudos to him in that instance. But the biggest signing of the week is the one that you missed, which is the one that shocks me the most. Basically, the largest outstanding free agent was signed this past week uh trevor bauer signed with the dodgers for three years at 102 million dollars what position pitcher okay he was the national league cy young award winner which means he was the number one pitcher in the national league last season 
our team had eyes on him in Chicago. But what's crazy is it came out that the Mets actually offered him roughly about $15 million more a year. And he turned them down because he believed that he had a better chance to win with the Dodgers than he does with the Mets, which arguably I would not disagree with him. What's crazy about this is it will be the active third starting pitcher that has won a Cy Young award in the Dodgers rotation. So three out of four of their pitchers are Cy Young award winners in their rotation. So that's frightening. They're going to be a pretty untouchable team next year. But there were some trades this week. I only really listed the one just because it's the biggest name that I noticed beyond the one that you had, which is between the Rangers and the Oakland Athletics. The Texas Rangers traded away Elvis Andrews and Aramis Garcia and cash considerations to the Athletics. The Rangers received outfielder and designated hitter Chris Davis and catcher Jonah Heim and right-hand pitcher Dane Acker. I know none of these people. Well, I know two of them, Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews. So Texas has the tendency now to be kind of trading away their older players. They're definitely in a rebuild right now. They're trying to stack up with young talent. Chris Davis is kind of on the younger to middle age for a baseball player. So it will be an addition that will allow them to have him for a little bit of a period of time before he goes out and retires or comes to the end of his career. Uh, And the other players are younger prospects from the organization. So I think the Rangers are really just continuing to try to build up draft picks and quality young players for the long term. In like two or three years, you know, we might see the Rangers be a threat in the American League. But until then, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But that's all the baseball news I have. Good. Yeah, I, I figured you'd be happy once that was done. So in the NBA, I mostly have injuries and not a lot of other news. So I don't know if you're going to be able to balance me out with that. I've got you on other news because I don't have injuries, so... The Houston Rockets center Christian Wood left Thursday night's game after rolling his ankle. Since then, he's been diagnosed with a sprained ankle and will be reevaluated on a weekly basis. I can't remember if this is the guy that had to be wheelchaired off or not, but there were multiple sprained ankles, and one of those was someone who got carted off this way. Well, as big as a center is, I could understand if he was the one that got wheelchaired off just because he's a giant. The centers are usually the tallest player on the team, so... Thank you for mansplaining the center position to me. But <laughs> you also had Golden State Warrior center Kevon Looney, who is going to be sidelined with a left ankle sprain for at least two weeks. So going with that, it could have also been him. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder announced that George Hill underwent a minor procedure on Tuesday, February 2nd to address a mallet finger injury on his right thumb, and it will be reassessed in four weeks. Basically, the tip of his thumb is bent and he can't straighten it, and so he had to get that taken care of. Golden State Warriors rookie James Wiseman will be out for at least seven to ten days with a sprained left wrist, so instead of an ankle, you get a wrist changing it up for you. That's exciting change. I could understand that being more of a problem than an ankle because you have to shoot the ball. And then the Boston Celtics guard Marcus Smart is expected to miss two to three weeks after receiving an MRI that revealed a grade one tear in his left calf. That I could see getting wheeled off for. Tearing muscles hurts. A lot. Just seems like people are getting worn down this week in the NBA. Yeah. Is that all the injury news that you had? Yep. Exciting. So we'll take over with some other 
sports-related NBA news. Nikola Jokic records a 50-point double-double this week. He finished the game with 50 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds. He's the first center since 1975 to record these numbers, and it was Walt Chamberlain that did that last in 1975. Chamberlain sounds familiar. Yeah, he's probably one of the more recognizable older basketball player names that has existed. Kevin Durant was ruled out Saturday against the 76ers after being pulled from the previous game because of contact with somebody that tested positive. What's weird about the previous game he played against the Raptors was they wouldn't start him because his test was inconclusive. So they had him sitting on the bench and then 19 minutes into the game while he was on the bench they pulled him because they found out that somebody he was in contact with tested positive. Yeah. So Durant will not be allowed to play again until next Friday. He's a little bummed out because of the inconclusive test. And when he came off the court because of it, they tweeted out free Kevin Durant (laughs) because he thought he was like being locked up for an error in the test, even though he's tested negative since. But even though he's testing negative, he has to sit out due to COVID protocols in the NBA. The NBA announced this week that Atlanta will be hosting this year's All-Star Game on March 7th. And in response, a large group of players has come out and stated that they don't want to play at all during the All-Star game. So much so that even a player for the Sacramento Kings, who is just outside of the voting right now, like he's the one person below the last spot into the All-Star game right now for the West, came out and stated, he goes, if I get picked, I'll obviously show up and play because I don't want to get fined. And he goes, otherwise, I would not partake in it and then he went on to ask the fans please don't vote for me right i think it's a mistake to try to play this game well the big issue that the players a lot of them have is the fact that they're going to be crisscrossing bubbles that exist and flying from all over the country you know and they're not going to be on private charters obviously they're going to have to fly in commercially like everyone else yeah oh man but that increases the risk too true true drastically because you and me if we were flying right now have not been living in a bubble so like also we would not be flying right now. yeah i don't know whether i would be happy to do it i would almost be willing to take the fine depending on how much it is just out of my personal safety and my well aren't they also getting underpaid this season They are getting a little lower percentage, yes. So you're already getting a pay cut and then you might have to get fined to not be forced to play a stupid game no one should be playing? Yeah. I feel like player health and safety should have come in there and just nixed the whole thing. I don't disagree with you. I think it's a pretty large risk for fan entertainment, more or less. Well, and it's not like they're going to sell tickets to this game, right? So like... As far as I know, no, there will not you, be fans in attendance You currently. can't even make money off it, as far as I can tell, unless you're trying to sell, like, merch or something. I don't know. Merch. It's not called merch for sports. Memorabilia. There you go. Whew. Welcome back. Yep. <laughs> the NBA released its list of highest paid players for the season. LeBron James topped the list in 2020 as the highest paid athlete. He's set to earn $95.4 million this year between his contract and endorsements, uh, which puts him over the mark for $1 billion of career earnings. He's one of about like six athletes in the history of sports that have crossed that $1 billion mark. Players including Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, Floyd Mayweather. These are names I know. Yeah. But like, I don't think there is a such thing as an ethical billionaire. So people hitting that just sort of makes me angry. Well, they're not actively billionaires. They're just, they've made that much money across yeah. their career. That's all. Yeah. But that's all the NBA news I have. 
Well, I have something you don't have then. Oh, man. So the Toronto Raptors announced on Thursday, February 4th, that they have signed GM Bobby Webster to a multi-year contract extension. But per team policy, the terms of the agreement were not released. Yeah. Probably another person making too much money. And they don't want people to know. Yeah. Do you have any MLS news? (laughs) No, I don't have any MLS news. I will ask you every week until you finally do. (laughs) One day I'll actually look it up and I'll have like this long page worth of notes and you'll be like, where did that come from? No, don't do that to me. That's even worse than you not having any. (laughs) So the MLS and the MLS Players Association have been going on and on about this new CBA that they've been forced into arbitrating because MLS did a really crappy thing at the end of December, forcing this conversation. But they announced on Friday, February 5th, that they've reached what they're calling a tentative agreement on a revised CBA. It was approved by the union's executive board and bargaining committee by a vote of 24 to 11. The agreement will now be sent to the full players' union membership for a vote. The agreement would then need to be approved by the league's board of governors, and this agreement would allow the new season to start without a hitch, as well as avoid termination of the CBA and a lockout of the players. The new CBA comes with a two-year extension that would work through 2027. The extension comes with a delay in the jump in compensation that typically comes with a new CBA. And the benefits to the players include no cuts to their salaries in 2021 and improved free agency terms for 2026 and 2027. But otherwise, it really looks like the players are getting screwed. So who knows if this one will even go all the way through and get approved. You still have a lot of steps left. We're just going to have to wait and see. We're coming up pretty close to when the season is supposed to start. So who knows what's going to happen if it doesn't get agreed upon. I'm thinking probably a lockout at some point. We'll find out. And FC Cincinnati has signed striker Brenner from Sao Paulo. The deal is rumored to be worth around $13 million plus an additional $2 million in incentives. If he gets the full amount with incentives, that would tie the previous record signing in MLS when Ezekiel Barco moved from Argentina's Independiente to Atlanta in 2018 for a similar price. Interesting. I mean, just because of how expensive he is. And how garbage FC Cincinnati normally is. Well, they're trying to fix that. Clearly. They're spending a lot of money. A whole lot of money. A lot of teams don't spend that on most of their forwards. Yeah. I'm hoping that's all the MLS news. That is. It's all my brain can handle. What's going on in the rest of the world, soccer? I really didn't dive that deep into it. In the Premier League, Manchester United drew and won in their last two games, putting them two points behind Manchester City in first place. So you have Man City, then Man United. Manchester's just owning the top two right now. Uh, Leicester City in third, Liverpool in fourth, West Ham in fifth, and Newcastle United. We've won, lost, and won in our last three this past week, and that puts us in 16th place still, just like where we were last week. Have not moved up or down, just kind of hanging around the bottom of the table. At least you're not in relegation. It's true. I think the big story this week is that Sheffield United won their third game in five games total. So they beat my team. They beat your team. 
trying to see who they beat most recently. They ended up beating West Brom, who's also at the bottom of the table with them, so it's really not that shocking. Yeah, that one's kind of expected. Yeah. The other two were kind of, whoa. But this past week, you guys won 9-0 over Southampton, which was pretty big news. Obviously, Southampton was down two guys due to red cards, as well as Southampton is not a top 10 team. So the combination of those two things would have led me to expect you guys to win 9-0. Well, but come on. Like, don't discount a massive win like that. Yeah. But that's all the news I have for Premier League. In the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich continues to win, 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 no matter what. They are sitting currently with 48 points on the top of the table, 7 points ahead of Red Bull Leipzig. You have Wolfsburg in 3rd, Frankfurt in 4th, Leverskin in 5th, and due to your loss yesterday, Dortmund is sitting outside of any type of Champions League or Europa League spot in 6th place. You just like saying that. It's such a good feeling. What's crazy is you guys have so much talent, but nobody wants to play together, it seems. I don't know. We're just not meshing. Yeah. You've lost three of your last five games and drawn one and one one game. So it's been a rocky road for y'all recently. I don't even like that ice cream. Yeah. I don't blame you. It's not very good ice cream. We probably made some enemies just now by saying that about the ice cream, though. Including my mother. Yeah. But that's all the soccer news I have for the week. I really didn't try to delve too deep. When it comes to UEFA, there was really not much going on this week, so... Yeah, that means we can dive into my favorite sport, despite how my team is currently doing, which we won't talk about. I was going to talk about it, but I guess not. We'll continue on (laughs) to something else. So the NHL has announced updates to the 2020-21 regular season schedule. The full list can be found on the website because there are currently 27 games on this list. It's a lot. It was ugly this week. And continuing with COVID, in an attempt to mitigate the risk of incidences of exposure and contraction of COVID, the NHL has announced a series of additional COVID preventative measures. Beginning on Thursday, February 4th, all teams must implement the following. Remove the partitions of shielding that are behind the home and visiting team benches in order to allow for better airflow. Which I agree with. It's going to look weird as anything else. I think the weirdest part about it, FYI, in my opinion, would be the fact that referees are now going to have to make the delay of game calls that would be clearing the puck over the glass based off of their understanding how tall the glass is in every arena, which is different. And so... I'm just going to assume they're going to go based off how far over everyone's head it goes. Well, yeah, like, if it's clearly, like, a lob-style chip, obviously they're going to call it a freaking delay of game. But if it's, like, a line drive and everybody ducks and it goes over, like, obviously they're going to let that lie. The next one is to limit the amount of time at the arena on game day unless you are specifically there to receive treatment or engage in preparations for the game. Literally, they're only allowed to be there less than two hours prior to the game. Yeah, an hour and 45 minutes, which is kind of a weird number. I don't understand why they didn't just pick two hours and go with that, but... They also are being forced to create or utilize additional locker room space for the home and visiting teams so they can maintain physical distance of at least six feet between players at their stalls. And for this one, teams have to communicate their specific plans to the league no later than Wednesday, February 10th. So, like, they gotta get on it. Well, on top of that, the NHL came out and said, we will provide extra pop-up 
Which places. is going to be weird. Yeah, but I be like mean, random people sitting in the hallway and they're like, everybody's back to like cheering. And you're like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> the past year has been so weird. Why not add this? Yeah. And then this last one is kind of still in the works, but it has been communicated that the league is considering deploying portable air cleaners with HEPA behind the player benches. Yeah. To try to deal with COVID in the air, I suppose. Very weird. Not really. You're seeing it pretty commonly in a lot of enclosed spaces. So, like, even with just my orthodontist, they have them in the office next to every chair. Well, everyone's got their mouths open all the time. I'm not surprised you want to do that. They do the same thing in hockey, don't they? They have to breathe, you know? Otherwise... They a bunch of mouth breathers? Well, usually, yes, in most instances. Yeah. Have you, have you never seen a bench of hockey players who are just like trying to catch their breath after their shift? It's usually I, through their mouth, not through their nose. I've been to a lot of hockey games with you. You know I've seen a lot of Mouth teams. breathing, yes. yes. Yeah. And the Colorado Avalanche have had four additional games postponed through February 11th due to COVID protocols. They have forwards Tyson Jost and Gabriel Landeskog who were put on the NHL protocol list on Thursday, and then the Colorado training facility was closed. It technically is still closed, so who knows when that's going to open up. Yeah, they weren't the only team struggling with that this week. You also had the Minnesota Wild, who have four games as well postponed, with five players posted currently on the COVID-19 protocol list. Their games are postponed through at least February 9th. Two days from when we're recording this, so the actual day this comes out. They'll be free again. You also had Ralph Kruger test positive for COVID and enter the protocol on Thursday. The NHL announced on Tuesday, February 2nd, that the Sabres would have four games postponed through at least Monday, February 8th. And Sabres forward Taylor Hall and defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen were placed on the protocol list on Tuesday. And forward Tobias Ryder and defenseman Brandon Montour were placed in protocol on Wednesday, followed by defenseman Jake McCobb on Thursday. Boy, so they're just having a boom, good time. boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah, related to the wild uh, stuff anyways, prospect Marco Rossi was one of the people placed on that list. He will be out the rest of the season due to complications from COVID-19, so it sounds like he had a severe problem with it. He actually returned home to Austria on Saturday, February 6th, in order to rest with his family because of his COVID complications. So, like, his health was so bad, like, go home. Yeah, we we know you're not going to play this year. Go away. Yeah, there's currently no timetable for his return. I think if he ever comes back, it won't be the same. Yeah. Because, like, as you have seen through people you know... People I work with, people I know, you... (laughs) The health problems post-COVID are lingering and don't seem to have any end in sight. Especially if you have like a moderate or severe case of it. Like if you have a mild case, I've seen some people who get it and like two days, three days later, they're like, symptoms are gone. I'm great. But for the most part, I've seen people who are like, my lungs suck now. And they're going to for a period of time. Albeit, like, NHL players have access to much better doctors than you or I have. I don't think that's going to change the fact that they will have long-term damage and complications. And I think this is going to be a problem they deal with for the rest of their career, possibly. It's always a chance. I just feel bad because he's so young. Yeah. Like, he just got... Drafted this year. Yeah, Yeah. And, like... 
just signed a contract in October. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But in non-COVID news, Matt Dumba was placed on IR by the Wild on Sunday, January 31st with a lower body injury. And the team has said he will miss at least the next four games. When they say at least, I assume it's going to be way more, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's kind of one of those hope for the best moments. Yeah. And Nathan McKinnon is week to week for the Colorado Avalanche with a lower body injury. I'm probably going to mess up this name and you're going to be mad at me. I'm excited to hear it. Peter Mrazek. No, you nailed it right on the head. Is out indefinitely for the Carolina Hurricanes after he had surgery on his right thumb on Wednesday. His timeline for return is still to be determined in the next couple of days, I guess. Yeah. They're going to have to see how it's healing and then come up with some sort of physical therapy plan, I assume. Yep. Yeah, goalies and thumbs are kind of important. A little bit. Yeah. They're either holding the stick or catching the pucks. And Blue Jackets' Zach Wierenski won't play on Sunday, February 7th against the Carolina Hurricanes due to an injury he sustained in the third period of the game against Dallas on Thursday, February 4th. I could not find anywhere what this injury actually is. Or could I? So, whatever's wrong with him, it's probably embarrassing. I don't know that it's embarrassing. I think maybe it just didn't seem like there was anything really that caused it to occur, I guess. Yeah, but normally they say upper body, lower body. It's true. Maybe it's right in the middle where those two points meet. <laughs> middle body injury. Hence your embarrassing story. Exactly. Yeah. And in other news, on Monday, February 1st, GM Jeff Gordon of the New York Rangers said that Tony D'Angelo has played his last game for the team. The Rangers president, John Davidson, confirmed that there was an incident between D'Angelo and the goalie, Alexander Grigoriev. Grigoriev. That's the one. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, January 30th. And I guess it was widely reported that they had some sort of altercation in the runway between the ice and their dressing room at home and that a player had to step in and break it up. Here's the thing. You don't attack your star goalie. It's just not something you do. If you're going to attack your goalie, you go for the next guy. You don't go for the starting goalie. Right. And even then, technically, you're all on the same team. Get over yourself. Like Right. Based on what I heard, it was both of them are pretty upset with each other. Mm-hmm. Gregoria felt like D'Angelo wasn't really putting out enough of an effort in the game. Okay. And so he called him out on it. And D'Angelo flipped the switch, basically. But they've been having issues with this player longer than just oh, he's, this he's game. He's always had an attitude problem. So. so, like, this is just one of those players that, like, they have anger issues and they take it out on anyone and everyone and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, good thing they're getting rid of him because he's, like, corrupting their whole locker room. Yeah. I almost called it a dressing room. What is wrong with me today? You're off your game just a little bit, but that's all right. D'Angelo was assigned to the taxi squad after clearing waivers on Monday, and the team will now explore ways to allow him to continue his career elsewhere. End quote. Yeah, he's a very good young defenseman. The dilemma is, do you take the risk of adding him to your roster just because of his attitude problem that you know exists? Like, I feel like with... Uh, maybe stronger suited head coach, he might be okay. Like a torts or something like that would maybe put him in his place. But You're like, going to have trouble dealing with someone who is so... Hard-headed? I was going to say he likes to incite crap. Yeah. Because like you've got this hard-headed player who thinks he's the best 
And anything that goes wrong, he's blaming on other people. Yeah. And, like, how do you even work with that? Because, like, you can't improve a player like that, in my opinion. Like, Not usually, no. If they're not willing to admit that they have their own flaws and mistakes, then they're not going to fix them because apparently they don't exist. Yeah. So, it's just, there's too many of these inciting incidences that are happening and it's becoming a distraction yeah. and no one wants to infect their locker room with that. Agreed. They're trying to find a way to get like him completely away from their team. They're going to have to find someone to pawn him off on. Uh, somebody somewhere will take that. Uh... But like you said, they have to have a really strong head coach to deal with a guy like this. Yeah. So this next piece of news is hard for me to talk about because it's so like cringeworthy and like I would totally end up doing this if it were me. So I don't blame this person for what happened, but at the same time, it's like, yikes, I would be embarrassed for my entire life if this happened to me. I'm ready to hear this embarrassing story. Marc-Andre Fleury went to hand deliver an autographed jersey to a woman who had won it in a contest. She didn't answer her door. <laughs> she had one of those camera doorbells yeah. and saw that there was some guy dressed in a suit wearing a mask and was like, I don't know who this is. I'm not going to answer the door. <laughs> and He came in his goalie mask. That's fantastic. No, he was wearing a COVID mask. Oh, okay. If he was wearing his goalie mask, she would have answered the door. <laughs> I don't know that she would have, but yeah. I mean, she would have recognized the mask, I would assume. She's yeah. a fan of this player. Well, if you're a fan of the player, maybe you would also recognize the player even with a mask. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury is very identifiable. Like, I, identifiable? Identifiable. And so... I completely agree with you, but also, like, I've been following Fleury for a long time. So, of course, I would think that. Whereas he hasn't been in Vegas as long as he was with Pittsburgh. Yeah, you're right there. But he's been with Vegas since Vegas existed. True, so, that is true. Like, there's no excuse to that other than the fact that maybe Robin Leonard would be easier to detect because he has all his neck tattoos and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe that would be scarier. He's, I don't know. He's pretty clean cut, yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. But she was expecting the autographed jersey to come in the mail, not to be hand-delivered by the player. Yeah. But she tweeted about her embarrassment and, like, she got a message from his manager yeah. saying that we tried to come and see you and all of this crap but like that's embarrassing that would be so embarrassing uh what did you want um just leave it at the door yeah <laughs> and like she's gonna live with that on her brain for the rest of her life i would not want that usually with things like this though they try to coordinate it a little bit like hey somebody's gonna be coming by to deliver this yeah, I At don't this know time, why make they sure you're home. do that. Yeah. yeah. But apparently she also, like, this is a person that used to be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. So actually she should have known Marc-Andre Fleury's face. But this is not the first jersey she's won. She's also won a Gensel jersey. But apparently that one has yet to arrive. So I think that's pretty funny. Well, I'm just hoping Gensel doesn't show up and get the same treatment. You know, like <laughs> right. that would be really sad. Where did she live? In Vegas or? I guess it was. She lived in New Mexico and was a fan of the Penguins. But when Flurry went to Vegas, she became a fan of Vegas. Well, that makes more fit, sense geographically. Which fit also because she had recently moved to Vegas when his switch happened. Oh. So that even makes it make more sense, I guess. Are we sure she wasn't part of the trade option? <laughs> if you're taking Flurry, I'm coming with. Yeah. No, I don't think that's the case. 
but I would not want to live with that. Yeah. Let's be honest. You would recognize Florian. You'd answer the door and be like, come on in. But also, I don't like answering the door in general. Yeah. So, like, if I don't know who's coming, I won't answer the door. Yeah. And then the last piece of NHL news I have, I think, is a lot more fun than that last story. It's that Montreal Canadiens fan Derek Parker made a 10-foot-tall former Canadiens goalie Ken Dryden snow sculpture in front of a 5-foot net in his yard. I could see that happening only because of how much snow I know they get in Canada. Because Canada. Particularly in that area, you have a lot of lake effect snow. So, like, it snows and snows and snows and snows and snows. Apparently, it took this guy two weeks to make this. I believe it. And he's apparently made other sculptures in the past, one of which was a 16-foot-tall Olaf from Frozen. And then another one was he built an igloo-style sports bar in his yard that he called the Ice Castle in 2018. That's fantastic. And the sculptures are made entirely of spray-painted snow, which was hardened with water and shaped using a chainsaw. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of cool. Basically, like, a snow ice sculpture mix. Yeah. Well, I have some other news. Okay. Um, The Rangers this week announced that they're going to promote Chris Jury to associate GM from his assistant GM position after he announced he had withdrawn from the Penguins GM role chase. Hmm. So, they're like, thanks for staying. We're going to reward you. Yeah. Sounds like a bribe. This week, also, Connor Hellebuck becomes the... Hellebuck. Hellebuck becomes the winningest goalie in Jets slash Atlanta Thrashers team history. He clinched his 153rd win by defeating the Calgary Flames 4-1. to Albeit it's not a very old organization by standards of the NHL, but right. still exciting that he's checked that box off. Yeah. Also this week, from the Washington Capitals, Alex Ovechkin... Scored his 709th goal of his career against the Rangers. Are we going to do an update every time this guy gets another goal? I'm so sick of his crap. Not every time he gets a goal, but every time he moves up in the goal scoring list, yes. Which moves him solely into 7th place on the NHL all-time goal list. You're number 7th. You're number 7th. Well, he's actually number 8, but he is now in 7th, yes. Yes. Yeah. But my funny bit of NHL news this week uh, was about some hockey sticks that were prototypes from a company that was going to Zdeno Chara. 17 to 20 of Zdeno Chara's hockey sticks were delivered to a random New Jersey home. The model of the stick that Chara used has not been released to the public yet or seen by the public yet until this point where obviously this guy put it on Twitter like, hey, this really large box got delivered to me and like a really tall box and he had no idea why. Yeah. But it said Washington Capitals practice facility, but for some reason it had his address on it. So whoever it was at the hockey stick company probably fired. Let's just be honest. I just want to know how they don't go Washington Capitals. Wait, that address is wrong. Yeah. New Jersey is not in Washington, Washington. D.C. Yeah. The estimated price for the sticks was well over $5,000. So you're telling me he sold all the sticks? No, he actually was threatened by the stick manufacturing company via Twitter. And he said, why would I not return these if I was stupid enough to plaster them all over Twitter? Like, I obviously had them. Yeah. Of course, I have to give them back. Right. And he goes, 
there was no use for that. Like he, he could have, if anything, maybe been like, we'll offer you a reward for returning them, like for finding I think, them. I think the threatening was the wrong move there. Yeah. It was also the wrong move to send them to the wrong location. Yeah. So. yeah. And then I had some news in the world of women's hockey. Uh, the Maple Leafs announced that they will be partnering with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association to help their organization market better, work with like the marketing staff of the Maple Leafs, as well as advertise the league during home Maple Leafs games. They will also host a game in their stadium when the Canadian government would allow women's hockey to play professionally again due to COVID reasons. The big issue that they really have is obviously the professional women's hockey leagues don't have the representation that the NHL does on a country scale so they don't have as much like push to get things done uh, in their leagues which is partially the reason that this week the National Women's Hockey League suspended the rest of their season due to COVID-19 concerns. They basically could not persuade anybody to host their bubble, even though they were willing to do the tournament in a bubble situation. It was originally planned to be played at the Lake Placid Olympic facilities, which would allow them to have multiple rinks so that they could play separately within internal bubbles, but they canceled it. So there's that. Yeah. But that's all the hockey news I have for you this week and sports news for that matter. So we'll catch you later on in the week, guys, with a book episode where we'll be discussing the first half of The Hunger Games that I read. Which will be a lot more fun than sports. Yes. But make sure you guys are checking out our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you later this week for the book episode. Bye, guys. Bye.